Join us for a night of fine dining and entertainment as we announce the 2022 40 Under 40 winners. Running since 2002, the 40 Under 40 Awards program continues to recognise 40 of the state's leading entrepreneurs, innovators and future business leaders under the age of 40. Help us celebrate the exceptional young business achievers that are defining the future of our great state. Tickets available now at businessnews.com.au slash events. Good afternoon and welcome to At Close of Business, a daily podcast hosted by Business News. As Western Australia's border finally comes down, today's senior journalist Matt McKenzie sits down with our close of business to discuss what the move means for WA businesses, including those in the beleaguered tourism sector. But first, here's the news you need to know today. The state government has brought forward its COVID financial support and altered the eligibility criteria amid mounting pressure. But the opposition says it simply masks the problems posed by the drip-fed packages. This afternoon, Premier Mark McGowan confirmed the state government would bring forward the delivery of the small business support for those impacted by the recent public health measures as part of two assistance packages worth a combined $139 million. The period small businesses have to prove they expect experienced a decline in revenue of 30% to access the $67 million rent relief package has been shortened from six weeks to four, while the original four-week period for the $72 million hardship program has been halved. Initially, the decline in revenue was for any period between January and April as assessed against the same period in 2021, a period which included two economic lockdowns. But after lobbying by the state's Chamber of Commerce and the Australian Hotels Association, the state government has since clarified that businesses could also select an alternative period in 2021 if it provided an inaccurate account of its financial situation. Small business spokesperson Steve Thomas said the changes were too minor to have any real impact, but were an admission from the state government that the original package was too hard to use. Dr Thomas said the improvement simply masked the problems associated with the state government's drip-fed packages. Instead, Dr Thomas has demanded the comparison be with businesses pre-COVID turnover in 2018 and 2019 to provide an accurate reflection of the impact of government-imposed restrictions. The state opposition has been highly critical of the state government's approach to COVID business support amid strengthened public health measures and capacity limits, accusing it of drip-feeding ad hoc financial support. In the past three months, the state government has released five COVID business support packages worth a combined $420 million. Meanwhile, the number of active COVID cases in WA is fast approaching 10,000, with another 2,137 infections recorded overnight. According to WA Health, more than 90% of the new cases were reported in the Perth metropolitan area. Today's figures take the total number of active cases to 9,660, 21 of whom are currently in hospital. None of the cases are in ICU. Today's figures represent a slight fall on the record 2,420 23 cases reported just yesterday and come after the state's border reopened for the first time in almost two years. 
But Premier Mark McGowan has warned those numbers will continue to climb, with WA expected to experience its COVID peak in a matter of weeks and thousands expected to enter the state following the removal of the hard border. And subcontractors caught up in the collapse of WBHO are being advised to assess their insurance policies while industry premiums could be set to rise amid ongoing insolvencies. WBHO Australia's business, including ProBuild and WBHO Infrastructure, entered administration last week following other high-profile companies, Pindan and Jackson, last year. It will be weeks before the full fallout of the WBHO collapse is clear, although administrators Deloitte are intending to continue work on at least 20 projects while a buyer for the business is sought. Insurance brokerage Lockton has said subcontractors which had relied on ProBuild's insurances would be unlikely to have continued protection for work on the projects going forward. Subbies will need to assess policies to ensure they are not inadvertently breached the brokerage said. The cost and availability of professional indemnity insurance was likely to become more challenging, according to Lockton, while surety and trade credit insurance could also be impacted. Lockton National Manager of Trade Credit, Surety and Political Risk, Liam Berry, said pricing on surety bonds for large construction companies had been stable in recent years, but said pricing could start to rise in the next 12 months if insurers believe the ProBuild collapse is indicative of increased stress within the construction industry. Expected pressure from rising material and labour costs in WA would also affect insurance. He said the Australian market had eight surety firms, but smaller businesses only had access to one or two, which will add to pressure on smaller contractors. We'll be right back. understand that business relies on being informed. That's why Business News is your most reliable source of news, industry insights and business connections. To stay fully informed, we encourage you to subscribe to our emails, flick through our magazine and visit businessnews.com.au for daily news updates. It's the best way to ensure you have the information you need to be future ready. Business News. More news, more insights, more connections. It's been 24 hours now, Matt, that Western Australia has not had a hard border with the rest of the world, and it's the first time in about two years that that's been the case. Uh, I remember watching Channel 9 News about a week ago and seeing a countdown in the top left-hand corner of the screen to WA's border reopening, so it's obviously been highly anticipated by many. But restrictions are tight at the moment in anticipation of cases surging eventually. And it's led to an interesting situation here in WA where border delays and uncertainty have caused many events and holiday trips to be cancelled indefinitely. That's according to Tourism Council Chief Executive Evan Hall, who's called for, and I quote here, a sizable support package for the sector, specifically businesses that have suffered financial loss in the past two years. Matt. You have taken the temperature of a handful of businesses here in this state who are in the tourism sector. What's their mood given the change in circumstances? Yeah, I think there's a lot of optimism and excitement because uh, some of these businesses have been hit hard. And as we've often said on this podcast, some have been hit hard. Um, Some in particular uh, areas have have probably been better off, actually, with all the internal state tourism. But certainly there have been some that have been hit very hard. Some interesting facts. Um, Airbnb came out with some data. They've said WA's um, searches for Airbnb uh, in the destinations in WA was up 65% in 24 hours after the border reopening reannouncement. 
uh, reopening re-announcement there because it was announced once uh, early, late last year, wasn't it as well? Um, and they said, and you would think, oh, well, that's probably off a very small base, but actually they said they had 2.1 million searches over summer um, for Airbnb uh, you know, accommodation here in WA. And they said that was higher than pre-pandemic, which I think is interesting. Um, now, in terms of the top destinations, Perth, Margaret River, Dunsborough in early March, and then over Easter, it's a little bit different, I think, um, Margaret River and Dunsborough surpassing Perth over the Easter period. Um, which countries? Uh, UK, US, Singapore, New Zealand, and Canada. So all the good um, ANZUS uh, and uh, AUKUS and Five Eyes uh, nations <laughs> are the ones where people are keen to come back to WA and probably see their family and relatives. But it's also important to note, um, the West Australians want to leave too. So the top destinations for West Aussies looking to leave were London, Auckland, Paris, and interestingly, Puerto Vallarta in Mexico, which I'm not familiar with. It sounds like it's a beachside locale. So um, the Airbnb data shows that people are looking at WA as a destination again. I also spoke to uh, Dean Kingy from Swan River Seaplanes, and he's been a director there. It's obviously been a tough couple of years for them. Um, they've just bought a plane. Uh, it's a Cessna, uh, it lands on water and land, um, and uh, it'll be their only seaplane, but basically they've been shut for, for two years. Um, and uh, not just uh, have they been through the pandemic, they've also been through a very difficult internal circumstance where um, one of the owners, or half owner, Troy Thomas, passed away. Um, so that's uh, obviously was extremely difficult for them and they were also going through the pandemic. Um, but uh, until April, they'll be running again in Perth, and uh, then uh, they'll take the plane up to Broome to do tours up there, and then in October, they'll be back open in Perth again, uh, October to April. Um, the Premier was out there this week um, to sort of uh, help the company mark the, the reopening of the borders and the reopening of their business. Now, I'm told it was it was very, it was very tough um, two years for them, uh, you know, losing one of the, Troy, very difficult. Um, because he was a terrific friend and, and part of the business. Um, in terms of the reopening, uh, obviously it's been tough, but you know they've said they've got a lot of faith in their product um, and uh, they're really hoping that they can get back to pre-COVID numbers pretty soon. And one thing that was interesting about this is um, they've had some, some bookings and interest from interstate and the East Coast in the past few days. Um, before the pandemic, they were really working on the Japanese market um, and uh, they were starting to build some momentum there. And obviously COVID has made it difficult, but they've still been participating in virtual trade fairs. They've been keeping connected with agencies um, overseas. Uh, so they're pretty confident and pretty optimistic that they'll be able to rebuild that momentum, particularly in the Japanese market. So that's a really good thing. Um, I also spoke to a great um, South Perth business uh, the other day, Fun Cats, and they do the catamarans you might see on the Swan River. And I went for a catamaraning trip myself and it was it was a lot of fun. I hired a catamaran for an hour and just cruised around on the river. And they were saying they've been very fortunate to have had support from, from West Aussies um, over the past couple of years. Um, that's helped their business stay afloat, if you'll love the pun. But one thing they did say is that, you know, their sales and turnover have been hit hard by the borders being closed. Um, so uh, even though West Aussies have, have turned up and, and supported the business, it didn't entirely or didn't much counteract the the impact of losing international interstate tourists. So so they're still cruising and uh, they've got a good year ahead, I think, a good couple of years ahead as the borders start to reopen. And it's fortunate they've been able to keep operating, but I think they'll be 
feeling a sense of relief, Jordan. Never, never miss the chance for a good boating pun, do you? <laughs> um, I, I shall make a mental note to get on down to South Perth and get on one of those catamarans sometime soon. I remember Dad took me once when I was a little one living around South Perth, and it's uh, been about 20 years since, so it's been a long time for me. Um, look, it's interesting to consider where we're at now, given we've never been in this environment where there's thousands of cases being recorded a day, and one should presume COVID is everywhere. Uh, and, and I remember that there was this talk beforehand that, you know, the, the state government's rhetoric would create this mentality or a fear mentality uh, amongst the public. But I remember last week I went out to the movies in Leaderville with my girlfriend and we went and watched the film called Come On, Come On, which is a fantastic film, by the way, if anyone gets a chance to see it. Um, but we were in this packed out little movie theatre and it's funny looking around. You, you wouldn't have thought COVID was there. Half the people aren't wearing masks. Every single seat is full. It's not as if people are scared of this virus, I think. And, and it brings to mind a piece that Gareth Parker wrote for uh, WA Today about a month ago around the mentality here in Western Australia being one of fear. And he'd gone to Florida uh, and he relayed his story of, of being amongst the people there. And now Florida is not a state I would, a US state I would hold up as a as an example of good COVID uh, pandemic management. But he made the point that the people there didn't seem to have any sort of concept of the fact that this virus was amongst them. I'd argue they probably should do. But <laughs> he was talking about this mentality of living with the virus where people have this acceptance of the individual risk and they understand that when they go out into a public area, they might get infected, but they do what they can to, to stop it uh, as far as it impacts themselves. And it's interesting. I, I think here in Western Australia, we've very quickly adapted to that mindset in this what is called the high caseload environment. I don't think people are necessarily as fearful as, uh, as we expected they would be about a month ago. People seem to be getting on with their lives. When I catch trains now, I don't seem to notice any notable lack of people. It all seems very much the same, but people choose to wear a mask if they want to wear a mask. Matt, what's your experience been walking around on the weekends and getting about? Do you notice people seeming to, to live with this virus? Well, uh, I did note a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, at uh, the mini golf place in Northbridge and I looked out on, on Lake Street on what was a Friday night at maybe 9pm and uh, there was no one, there's basically no one there. And I thought, what is going on? And then I thought, well, actually, it's, it's the case numbers building up. So that was an, that was an early um, example. Uh, but um, the, the reality, I think, I think there's a couple of things. Firstly, you know, Omicron is obviously not as uh, harsh as some of the other forms of the virus. There's a lot of people who are vaccinated um, and people have been waiting sort of two years to get prepared. And I think they're sort of ready to get on with it. Um, but there is one thing that we should just be concerned about. And that is that the, the hospital numbers for now seem very low, um, you know, 10, 12, 16. Um, and that perhaps will give people a false sense of security, because one thing to remember is you don't test positive to COVID and then immediately go to hospital because you're very sick. Usually there's a few days or a week or a little bit longer before it starts to really um, to really cripple you. Or at least that was the case with the original variant. I'm not I'm not really familiar with any differences with Omicron. So the hospital numbers will start to pick up. And if you look at the state government's COVID modelling, it's still early days yet, right? They're talking about 10,000 cases, um, symptomatic cases, by the way, symptomatic cases at peak, um, and almost half a million cases over six months. So that is a lot. And uh, while um, you know people are, are fairly confident right now, we should be we should just you know be readying ourselves for the fact that this is going to impact businesses and workplaces and and construction sites and all the rest of it 
over the next six months because it's going to mean you know people are um, potentially unable to go into work um, or you know we've got to have split teams or whatever else in order to make sure that people don't um, you know if you have a business and a good portion of your staff get sick at the same time or get um, COVID at the same time it would be absolutely crippling so all these things are uh, things that people are going to have to consider so early days yet it's encouraging so far but um, we'll just have to see um, how things go um, one broader question though I have in my mind is we keep hearing that you know everyone's just going to pile into WA and literally, I literally spoke to a public relations person a little earlier this morning and he said oh mate you're going to have an avalanche of people it's paradise and I thought you know well it is a PR person right so um, <laughs> obviously they're doing that they're doing the PR for WA which is lovely um, but you know we've got to remember just think about that Airbnb number you know people are thinking about leaving the state too and um, this idea that you know suddenly all the worker shortages and everything else which are a problem are in the US they're a problem everywhere in the world this idea that they'll suddenly be fixed by the borders being reopening I think is maybe misguided um, and this idea that businesses are going to have this huge boost I appreciate it's important to have certainty but the idea that there's going to be a huge boost by the borders reopening I think is a bit misguided. I had a conversation with someone recently where we were talking about um, all of this uh, and you keep hearing people say, oh, rental prices are going to go up and property prices are going to go up and it's going to be a massive boom on here in WA and you're not going to be able to find a place to live. And I just think to myself, well, that assumes that we do have a lot of people come into the state and that people don't leave. Um, and I'm not sure that's the right assumption to be making. So it'll be very interesting in the next six months to see if things go exactly as people predict they will. Um, but at least it's wonderful, Jordan, that we can get out and see the world again. Indeed it is, and I'm glad that you mentioned that point there before about this uh, this idea that the economy is just going to go gangbusters because we reopened, and as we've said many times on this uh, on this podcast, it's it's been evidenced by countries that haven't had bans on inbound travel, such as the US and the UK, that they're still affected by supply chain issues, uh, yeah. runaway inflation, <laughs> and, uh, and labour shortages. But I'm also glad you made that point there about the self-congratulatory coverage of uh, of what's going on here. You know, lots of lots of headlines saying there's only this number of people in hospital, there's only you know this number of people in the ICU. I think it's zero people in the ICU at the moment. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> the virus has only been here for a couple of weeks. I'm sure that once it's been here a few weeks longer, we'll we'll see those numbers shoot right up. But I think, as, as you were saying there before, I think there's a there's a credible difference between ignoring and living with this virus. And I think we've done well to strike a balance up to now. Uh, and I think that we are living with it. We're getting on with it. But I think it, it's appropriate that we continue to look at the settings to ensure that we don't go through a situation as was experienced in Victoria and New South Wales, where it was a complete and utter disaster. Enjoy living in Western Australia. Hopefully over the next six months, it'll be as wonderful and safe as it's been over the past two years. Matt, thank you. Thanks, Jordan. Stay on top of the latest news stories that are impacting your business, industry or sector. The New Look Business News app gives subscribers breaking news alerts, access to e-editions, articles by category, as well as our advanced data and insights search function to find projects, people and companies. It's your mobile portal to the latest intelligence on commerce, politics and industry, wherever you are. Stay informed at critical times and download today. Visit businessnews.com.au slash app, download on the App Store, or get it on Google Play now. This podcast was brought to you by Optus Stadium. Now taking orders for your next breakfast or lunch meeting. If you like what you've heard, head to our Spotify page to like and subscribe. New 
episodes of At Close of Business are available every day in time for our afternoon wrap. I'm Jordan Murray. See you tomorrow.